Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I am Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damian Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And today we have an episode all about fat, lard, and all that butter and all the fatty stuff we're going to talk about today. So it's an interesting episode because we uh, pre-plan the topics we're going to want to talk about today. And I think it's going to be interesting because there might be some healthy debates and uh, we're going to shed some light on, you know, really the, on, on basic oils. And I think this started with the Facebook comment um, by one of our fans about uh, cooking oils and what to cook with and what's good and what bad. And there's such misconception out there on you know, what is a healthy oil and what should we use and what shouldn't we use? So I'm going to start with Damo here. Damo, tell us a little bit about, you know, let's start with oils. Like, I mean, that's the basic fundamentals. Everybody uses it to cook with, but no one knows which one to use because there's so much marketing out there. There is, isn't it? There's truckloads of marketing, but let's take it back one more step and just work out what oils actually are. And there, obviously, um, we we speak about oils just quite flippantly, um, but and they're also known as fats. And so, when we talk about fats, we understand that there's um, different levels of fats based on the availability of um, of carbon atoms still remaining in the structure of the oil or of the fat. And so, what we're trying to understand is whether or not there's bonding of hydrogen um, to these carbon atoms and so we understand whether or not there's a saturated fat or a fully saturated um, carbon chain, a unsaturated fat or a, you know, a, a, a less than full carbon molecule and then there's a polyunsaturated fat where there's multiple um, levels of um, of potential hydrogen bonding that could take place, and then there's monounsaturated, where there's one degree of um, carbon available for bonding with hydrogen. So it, hopefully that's not too confusing. But what I'm trying to say is that there's unsaturated, polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, and did I say saturated? Insaturated. They're the four. <laughs> they're the four. Like even I'm getting confused. But there's four key things that we're talking about there. So you're bringing up back the horrors of organic chemistry for me. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know. I was even getting. I think I broke into a sweat. I think I've just had an adrenal burst. So, uh, but essentially, what we need to understand is that the more polyunsaturated it is, the less stable the fat is. So the greater greater the degree of polyunsaturated um, that it actually is, then the um, the better it is for you to have raw. Mm. So often when we hear about people saying, oh, that's good. it's full of polyunsaturated fats, um, well, it's a bit of a, a marketing ploy to say that a margarine, for example, is you know full of polyunsaturated fats because in order for you to keep a polyunsaturated fat in a solid state, you need to bind hydrogen to it, which effectively makes it a non-polyunsaturated fat. It makes it more of a saturated fat, but it's not. It's turned into a cis or a trans fat, mm. which is dangerous for us, which is another fat which is derived from polyunsaturated fat. So it gets a little bit confusing, but what we need to understand is that polyunsaturated, like the, the natural state of the oil is the oil that it should be um, presented in. Does that make sense? So if I grind down a peanut and I'm at 30 degrees, um, what I should get from there is some oil rising to the top. So I'm just getting oil that rises to the top. At 30 degrees, um, some fats, for example, um, olive oil or even canola oil or um, rice bran oil will remain runny. But 
if I if I turn them into something that's you know not what they're supposed to be, for example, a margarine, th they will remain solid. And when when they've been turned into something else, they've had hydrogen bonded to them, and that renders them no longer beneficial or effective for our body. Now, I'll just cover my tracks here by saying that I'm not saying that rice bran oil is beneficial for you because we're about to say that it's not. And I'm not saying that. Um, canola oil is beneficial for you either. What I'm saying is that if it was originally runny when it first came out, that would be the ideal way to actually have it. Um, if it was solid when it first came out, for example, saturated fat from the coconut or saturated fat from the, the an animal, for example, or even saturated fat from palm oil, which we'll talk about as well, then that would be the ideal way to have it. It should be at room temperature um, in its natural state. Does right. that make sense? So I think to summarize, is basically what you're saying is if we consume, well, that's not, forget about consuming. I think the, the, if the oil is in its most natural state without anything done to it, like adding hydrogen to make it more into margarine, that's rule number one. Like that would yes. be the, the best sort of, you know, uh, to, to follow through. And then now we're going to mm -hmm. go into other rules, obviously, to, to kind of eliminate some of the things we talked about, canola and rice bran oil. All right. So yes. did that help? I hope that's uh, explained, summarize that, your point. <laughs> that's kind of like, that's just the, that's the bit that says, okay, there's different types of fats out there. The ones that we definitely want to avoid, definitely, absolutely, 100%, no questions about it, are cis fats and trans fats. Hmm. They're the ones that we know absolutely, unequivocally, will cause disease. We absolutely know that. And where there's a little bit of conjecture, where there's a little bit of a misunderstanding, is whether or not omega-6 fatty acids are really bad for us, or whether or not saturated fat is going to kill us. So there's that sort of you know, confusing sort of point that we want to discuss tonight as well. Yeah, I think so let's just talk about those trans fats a little bit before we go on from there because that is important because we know that they're so bad for us and they increase the risk of heart disease and they're linked diabetes. to all sorts of different, yeah, yeah. all sorts of disease, just a slew of diseases. So much so that, you know, lots of companies are taking the trans fats out of their products and countries are talking about banning the trans fats. And um, yeah. so, so, you know, when we're talking about trans fats, what sort of stuff is that in? Like we're talking about your margarines, your processed foods. What else is that in, Domo? Well, it's interesting because there's a bit of a play on it too because some of the margarine companies now say that their, their margarines contain no trans fats, um, which in you know, technical terms is correct because they, they haven't heated their oils to the extent that there would be trans fat formation. But what they uh, have done is they've added hydrogen so that it still becomes quite uh, – it's a stabilized, unstable fat, which is no – it's actually no good for you. So, yeah. Um, Demo, I think we just lost you for a sec. I think Demo's just dropped out a little bit. He's gone a little bit quiet there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to continue with the trans fats because I think one of the things about trans fat, the scary thing about trans fat, I believe, is that um, is that some of it's not actually labelled. I mean, do you find yeah. that with Brett? That, that's one of the things I was about to say as well. So Damo was sort of touching it on in there. We was talking about hydrogenation. And so sometimes it'll be written on the packet as it'll say hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated fats. Um, and so those are also either trans fats or, or sort of pre-trans fats, which means as soon as you heat them up, they tend to convert into the trans fats. Mm. Um, and I think that's what Damo was just going into explaining to us there. So. Um, <laughs> That's, that's the thing, you know, you've, you've got to be careful because they can get really sneaky about how they put it onto the label as well because trans fats obviously now has quite a name and a lot of people know to look out for it. Um, mm. So you need to really read the labels. Yeah, there's nothing nothing natural about trans fats. It's all artificial creation, so, you know, be very, very careful with that. Yeah. Am I back now? Can you hear me? Uh, you're back. Welcome back. 
Welcome yes. back, Dave, mate. Yeah, so you're right. That's that's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, there's nothing good about it, and uh, but we're just going to be careful because various ways in which you market a product can alter the way the information and how it's actually presented. So margarines aren't good for you. Just across the board, even the ones that lower your cholesterol, even the ones that are dairy-free alternatives to normal margarines, um, they're not good for you. Just straight out of the bag, they're. Uh, polyunsaturated fats that have been hydrogenated and part of the hydrogenation process is to add more hydrogen to the product which in itself renders it no longer a polyunsaturated fat so it no longer has any perceived benefit because the polyunsaturated fats um, are deemed to have some kind of benefit if they're raw. So for example, um, if we have omega-6 fatty acids and f let's let's look at some of the omega-6 rich fatty acids that are on the market. Um, Look, olive oil has a fair amount of omega-6 fatty acid in it. Peanut oil has a fair amount of omega-6 fatty acid in it. And these oils are good for us in their raw state. But when they're cooked, they're no longer beneficial. Because when you cook polyunsaturated fats, again, you add another level of hydrogen bonding to it. So it's no longer as stable. It becomes As it becomes more solid, it becomes more unstable. It's more stable at a liquid temperature. So that's something else we've got to keep in mind. So we don't want to cook with the food, uh, oils that are rich in polyunsaturated fats because they, they become unstable. We want to cook with fats that have low levels of saturation, um, or sorry, um, low levels of unsaturation. So for example, <laughs> and then the two types He's cut out again. <laughs> so let's carry on with the, uh, the conversation. I think what he, he was trying to say too as well is really important. Um, I, and, and you heard this right. It's not a mistake um, that when he said olive oil is something, an oil that you don't actually want to cook with. I think this is the biggest miscon misconception out there that we've been hearing over and over again how great olive oil is. And olive oil yeah. is fantastic. Like, I mean, I yeah. love using olive oil. But olive oil looks fantastic to use on your salad. Yes. But not fantastic to cook with because yeah. as soon as it hits that smoke point, yeah. it actually starts to release carcinogens, yeah. and so um, so that's not a good thing. Um, so you want to um, you want to cook with something with a much higher smoke point, which Damien was talking about there, starting to introduce the idea of actually cooking with a saturated fat, or as he described it, a more unsaturated fat. Um, <laughs> so so something like coconut oil is fantastic to cook with. That's pretty much what I do all of my cooking with, um, which is a really high saturated fat. And it used to be. That we'd kind of go, oh, saturated fat. You know, that's the that's the devil. We need to avoid all saturated fat. Uh, but we're now realizing that that's just not the case. That actually, saturated fats are a really important, healthy part of the diet, particularly when you're talking about what you want to cook with and what oils you want to cook with. Yeah, especially when you're when we talk about rule number one, right? The rule number one is that coconut oil. Um, coconut oil is the fat that's actually more solid in its natural state. Like if you ever buy coconut, it's actually yeah. mostly solid. So because it's natural state too, that's what we're talking about is that there's nothing change, nothing had to be artificially manufactured to make coconut um, solid. It's actually yeah. in its natural state. So I think that's important too. To Especially remember. when you live up in Ashton in the middle of winter, Lawrence. I was, I, was <laughs> I was trying to get some coconut oil out of my jar today. It was just like solid. It was hard as a rock. It was uh, you can I get the spoon into it. Yeah. Now, there's, there's a, can you guys hear me? Am yes, we can hear back. Can, Damo. Welcome back. Just, I don't know again. what's going on. But uh, so the other thing to keep in mind there is that it's the reason why coconut oil is so good, even though it's 96% saturated fat, the reason why it's so good for us is because it's so rich in medium-chain triglycerides. Mm. Now, 
the medium chain triglycerides cannot be converted to stored fat within the body and they don't contribute to the formation of cholesterol which is something that um, there's a word that's thrown around a lot there's, you know, that, and that is cholesterol. So many people are concerned about cholesterol. The jury's out at the moment as to whether or not cholesterol is good or bad for the body and whether or not um, measuring cholesterol is of any benefit really in the detection or prevention or, um, or prediction of cardio disease risk factors. Yeah, especially after, you know, like if anybody has any question about that, go make sure you go back to our last episode, which is with Peter Dingo, who talked all about cholesterol. And, and have a look at his book, you know, because th there's a whole lot of information in there, of course. So, but um, so when you're eating medium chain triglycerides, you're actually enhancing uh, your body's ability to access fat as a fuel, as opposed to storing fat um, for fuel for later. Mm -hmm. So it's actually better for the body, as opposed to the long chain triglycerides. Um, which would be the ones that are found in your animal-based saturated fats, which, you know, Brett and I were having this discussion before, and Lawrence sat in the background quite cautiously. Um, <laughs> I was actually making making sure that they don't fight over the internet here. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to fight over the internet. It's really hard to <laughs> land a blow. The only thing was press the space bar hard, like bang, bang, bang. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I want to say is that I always choose low-fat or low, like lean cuts of, of meat. The reason I choose lean cuts of meat is because the saturated fat that you see mottled through the, the, the meat itself or the fibers of tissue itself is, is rich in long chain fatty acids and that's not ideal for the body. Um, and I know this to be the case from an inflammatory point of view, so I, I like to avoid it, I like to stay away from it. And that brings us to another point of, of eating um, grass-fed beef because it's obviously going to be a better balance of omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids, So, which, Brett, maybe you want to talk about. Well, I think yeah, before absolutely. we go there, before we go there, can we just finish off the cooking oils? I know you really want to get into it, but I, I think ready. we need to... I was ready. I, I really do think we need to finish off the oils and we'll go definitely go in the grass-fed meat because what we're missing too, you, you didn't um, talk about rice bran oil uh, and canola oil and on all those type of oils too and whether you should use and it. Nice butter. Yeah, and talk about butter. So we need to discuss those, and then we'll definitely get into that uh, grass-fed. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> so let's just talk about butter just quickly. Butter, again, I mean, I actually heard somebody say the other day, butter is so good for you. I'm like, really? What's, how, how did you find out that butter is so good for you? And, and they said, well, it is. You know, it's, it's natural. And I said, well, just because it's natural doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you. It's still rich in long-chain fatty acids, which is your, um, your saturated fatty acids that aren't as healthful for the body. And we need to keep in mind that, yes, it's better for you than margarine, but there's way better sources of essential fatty acids that you can get into your diet from other food sources. For example, avocado, which would be way, way, way better than having butter. So, you know, butter, yeah, better for you than margarine, but I definitely wouldn't say that butter is a health food. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing of better versus best, isn't it? Like, butter is better than margarine. But yeah, like you said, use something like avocado or even you know your your coconut oil. That that's that's really best. You know that that's better again than the butter. Um, you know, obviously for me, I I don't do any dairy stuff, so um, so butter is definitely on my out list. Mm. <laughs> so, so Dan, let's just talk about um, you know if, if if someone chooses not to use coconut oil because um, you know there's taste and flavor with coconut. Oil, what, what other oils would you recommend that would be safe for people to have? Well, one of the great things about coconut oil, if you do choose to cook with it, is you can cook things a little bit faster. Mm. So 
you know, there's not only a convenience factor there, but there's a retention of nutrients factor there too, because you're not actually totally obliterating stuff by cooking it for a long period of time. So you're able to cook it fast, raise its temperature quickly, and eat it so it's still crunchy. That's that's a good thing to be able to do, and that's why coconut oil is good because you can use high heat with it in that regard for cooking. Now, as you move to a more unsaturated fat, so you go to monounsaturated fat, you need to decrease the temperature slightly. So for example, if we're going to cook with macadamia oil, which is really rich in monounsaturated fats, then you wouldn't cook on as high a heat as what you would with, say, coconut oil. Mm. Um, and then when you go further along that, you know, if you use something else like avocado oil, which is also um, reasonably high in monounsaturated fat, uh, but higher in polyunsaturated fat, you, you would lessen the heat again. Mm. And people still cook with olive oil. Um, and, and I would say that you probably don't need to do that. But if you did choose to cook with olive oil, which you can, it just should be a very, very low heat. So it just shouldn't be sizzling away and snap crackling and popping. It shouldn't be like that at all. It should just be a very, very light heat in the pan that you cook olive oil with. So Because it will remain stable and it won't lose its beneficial properties if it's you know at a lower heat. And let's just say, I, look, I, know, I don't even know what that heat is, but let's just say it's true. Am, am I right in saying you basically, if you stay below the smoke point, you're pretty safe? Or is it even a bit more, you know, a bit lower than that even? Yeah, look, I would, you, you, the smoke point means that it's totally denatured, totally gone, like it's wrecked. There's nothing beneficial in an oil once it smokes. So that's, you, you want to try and avoid its smoke point. And the, the smoke point of a pan, uh, or the, the heating point or the, the temperature of a pan can be up to four or 500 degrees and you don't even know it. And, uh, and you're whacking your meat on there or whatever. It's just that water boils at 100 degrees, so we think that everything else remains at 100 degrees. But the other things are incredibly hot, like gas, for example, or the magnetic heating elements that we can actually get. They, those, those temperatures are enormous. They're extreme. So um, just it, you want to keep it well below a smoke point. Okay. All right. What about rice bran oil? Just to finish that off, and then we'll get into the grass-fed meats. Well, I, I think it's actually quite funny because have you ever seen rice bran? Rice bran is actually this very, very dry product that you can use to mop up stuff. So you know, rice bran is said to actually absorb a lot of the fat that's in your diet and take it out through your bowels. Right? Any kind of bran is capable of doing that because it's a high-fiber substance. It's supposed to be low in fat. So. If we take rice bran and we try to extract the oil from it, we need to use heat, which if it's polyunsaturated fat, we know that that's no good for it. And then in order to get rice bran oil out of rice bran, we also use chemicals. So we use chemicals and heat to remove the rice bran oil out of the rice bran, and so it comes out as a very, very dark substance, um, much like margarine is, and then it's, it's deodorized. And then it's bleached and then put into a bottle. And then it has a little label on there that says no cholesterol. And because cholesterol has been said to be such a dangerous thing in our diet, we now think that um, if we eat something that's low in cholesterol, has no cholesterol, um, that it's actually healthy and good for us. Um, but rice bran oil is far from that. It's been bleached, deodorized. It was black when it came out. It's had chemicals and heat uh, used to actually extract it from something that was very low in oil in the first place and uh, then packaged appropriately with good marketing. So I'd stay away from it. <laughs> so low cholesterol is like the new low fat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can see all the people now who just bought these big tubs of uh, um, or cans of uh, rice bran oil going, crap. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually had someone on the Facebook page this week who just bought a massive bottle of raspberry. Oil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pour it down the drain is probably better for you. All right, so let's get into the debate. Oh, well, not maybe a debate. Just let's talk about grass-fed meat and saturated uh, fats from animals. Is it good for us? Yeah, so I was. Uh, we were talking about this, discussing this earlier, and Damien was saying, "Look, I, I lean towards the the leaner cuts of meat." Um, and what I was actually saying is, I'm actually I'm not fussed about the leaner cuts of meat, uh, but I am fussed about it being grass fed meat. Um, so you know, I wouldn't have like a you know wagyu style steak where it's completely fattened and marbled by fattening it up with grain, which creates much uh, more unhealthy fat ratios, particularly the omega-3 to omega-6 ratios. Um, but if I've got a nice grass-fed meat, which has got a much healthier fat ratio, you know, we're looking at some studies there on the grass-fed bison saying it was about 4 to 1, um, omega-6 to omega-3, um, which is a much healthier ratio. It, it's not as healthy as you want it to be in your overall diet. But as long as you're combining that with stuff that, that can balance that out, then that's, you know, that's not too bad. Um, and so I'm happy to eat lots of saturated fats and, and saturated meat fats. Um, and a lot of that has changed for me recently. I used to be you know, leaning towards the leaner cuts of meat. Uh, but having read uh, Lauren Cordain, who if you want to hear more from him, we've interviewed him on our Wellness Guys show as well. Uh, and he's spoken recently, he's completely flipped around about the, the saturated fats in meat, saying that so long as you're eating a healthy diet, you're keeping those processed carbohydrates and grains low, then the, the saturated fats aren't actually going to be causing any grief. They're not actually going to increase your risk of heart disease, as has been suggested. Mm. So I'm happy to eat as long as it's grass-fed. All right. Now, I, go ahead, Demo, your response. So, Brett, we also mentioned, let's put this back into perspective because the the concept that he speaks about here is that you should keep your total saturated fatty acid content from animals down to around about 10 to 15% of your total calorie intake for the day. Yes. Which means that it's not a whole lot of saturated fat anyway. In order to achieve that much saturated fat in your diet, you're really going to be choosing lean cuts. What, what he's saying is that if there's a little bit of grizzle or if there's a little bit of fat in the meat, don't be too concerned about it. But he's still saying that you've got to keep it down to around about 10 to 15% of your total calories, isn't he? Well, total calories from, from all foods. So 10 to 15% saturated fat. You know, if you're eating a diet that might be, say, you know, 30% fat, yep. then, then that would be 50% of your fat intake, your total fat intake, 50% of that would actually be saturated fat. So that, that's a pretty high ratio of saturated fat. Um, you know, if, you, if you're eating a balanced diet with you know, fat, protein, and carbohydrate, that's, that's a fair proportion. Well, you know, let's talk about that balance, and that balance should be somewhere between 40 to 50% um, percent of your calories coming from protein, somewhere between 20 to 30% of your calories coming from carbohydrate, and then, of course, around 30% of your calories coming from fat. Like that's, that's the sort of balance that I would recommend um, for anybody who's trying to achieve health and well-being. Um, and that's based on, um, on primal principles, paleo principles, um, Dr. Uh, not, um, Barry Sears, Dr. Barry Sears' um, insulin zone system talks about those sorts of ratios. So there's a whole lot of different authors and a whole lot of um, research that suggests that that's a more appropriate way to eat as opposed to the, the food pyramid, which is 70% carbohydrate, 20% protein, and 10% fat. So you know we're not talking food pyramid stuff here because that's junk science. So we're talking about you know real stuff. So in saying that, Brett, when we go back to the fat amount that we should be eating or that we'd want to be consuming, it's still a very, very small amount. Like, And protein, for example, if we're eating protein, um, 
eggs will eggs are going to give us around about thirty percent, or sorry, a bigger part of fish will give us about thirty percent per um, per serve of protein. Meat, we're talking about 25% of that weight of the meat is actually protein, and then we're talking around about 15 to 20% of the weight of that meat is actually being fat anyway. So that would almost be um, your your daily portion size of saturated fat in one serve of protein. Does that make sense? No, I missed it. <laughs> well, listen, I think the, but, the point. But, but I, what I'm agreeing with you here is I think, you know, we spoke before about, um, you know, some of the people who do the paleo diet and they can tend to use it as very much a, a very, very low carb diet sometimes. Um, and, and I don't think that that's a healthy, uh, a healthy balance to strike for long term health and well being. You know, some people will use that as a shorter term weight loss, which. I guess is okay if your goal is weight loss, but I think your goal should be to get healthy. Um, and so I think getting a good balance of the fats and the proteins and the carbs is really important and getting plenty of the fruits and vegetables into your diet. Um, and so, so you know, if, if you're doing that right and you're getting that fat, protein and carbohydrate ratio right, um, and you spoke about the, the primal, you know, the, the, the research on the hunter-gatherers says that they ate about 20 to 35% protein, um, about 25 to 40% carbs and about 30 to 45% fat. Um, so, so they still have that you know, relatively even balance between the fat, the protein, and the carbohydrate. Um, and so I think that's really important. It is, it is. But the other thing, the reason why they had so much fat too was because they didn't have modern-day heating. Um, they didn't have as many clothes. And they, you know, they, they had to manufacture a whole lot more um, fuel and chemical within their body to maintain their longevity and to enhance their well-being. So, you know, we, we do have other things that actually will keep us comfortable. So I would just, I would still say keep your, keep your fat quantity at around about 30%. That's what I would say, which is just a bit, le- a bit less than primal or paleo. I think a big summary here, though, like for majority of the people listening to this to this podcast, is that number one thing you need to realize that um, although there's a, this perception of eating, there's this perception of eating meat is okay out there, but the people take it like, okay, I'll just have meat. That's all I have throughout each meal, and that's what Brett was saying is that people have this low carb aspect of only eating meat, but that's not what we're saying at all, and that's not what the paleo uh, movement is saying at all. You really do need to eat your veggies and you still need the carbs. We, we always talk about you need to have a portion right of carbohydrates, your proteins, and your fat. Okay, That does not change. And what Damon is also saying too as well is that in our today's lifestyle is that you still need to move, right? You still need to exercise. And our yeah. sedentary lifestyle or the way you know most people live, sitting in front of a computer all day, that's going to change the aspect. You could eat all the best food in the world, but if you're not moving guess what your body's not doing? It's not taking that nutrient and actually converting it into energy. It's actually going to just convert into fat because you're not moving, right? So we're also, you got to remember all those types of principles that are factoring in your life. But everybody's going to be different, different um, listening to this call because they're going to be living diff- different lifestyles. So really important that you got to, we're talking about fats and oils in this particular episode, but you got to embrace the whole wellness concept here, right? So make sure you do that. Absolutely. And that comes in with what I was saying about the saturated fat before as well because, you know, what I was saying about the saturated fat is it, the saturated fat, uh, if you don't have those processed carbs in your diet, doesn't increase your risk of heart disease. But the studies also show that if you do have lots of uh, processed carbohydrates and grains and, and wheat and stuff in your diet, then it does increase your risk of heart disease. So you need to take that into consideration. If you're not doing the whole package, then, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to be having that high saturated fat if you're having the high grains and, and processed carbohydrates as well. So you need to look at it from a holistic perspective. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there, Bruno. If you're going to go one way, go one way. Don't um, don't dilly dally. Don't don't mess with it. Because if you're going to go in one particular system, then go that particular system. So if you choose to go paleo, then do paleo properly. But the other thing I want to say is that you know just because a pig is part of the you know it, it gives you meat, it doesn't mean that all sources of protein from the pig is necessarily going to be good for you. So like the smoked bacon or the smoked ham or the nitrate rich, you know, deli meats you can get that are made from ham or from pig, they're not going to be, they're no good, they're not any better for you just because you're following the paleo eating program. They're just not good for you. So you've got to still choose healthy choices of protein. It is, and this is what we've been talking about with the percentages, isn't it? Like we're talking about what percentages of fat, protein, and carbohydrate, but just as important as the percentages, if not more, is the quality of mm. those. You know, and there's a huge difference in quality between you know some some beautiful you know clean roast pork versus some processed nitrate laden bacon. You know, there's a there's a big difference in quality between you know some nice roast chicken and some deli meat chicken. That's, that's right. You know, that's you know the perfect circle with the, <laughs> the ring around the outside, and you know that there's a big difference there. So it's it's not just the the gross macronutrients you want to think about. You need to think about the quality of those ingredients as well. Yeah, I, it just blows me away with marketing, isn't it? That you know Wagyu beef has been such a popular thing in, in media over the last you know so I would say five to seven years, and all of a sudden people are just like, oh, see it on the menu, Wagyu beef. It must be good for me. Yeah. Right? But they don't realize that Wagyu beef is actually just full of, you know, grain-fed cows. And well, we, were at a, we were at a restaurant in Adelaide with the wellness guys when we were all in town. And, and the restaurant we are at specializes in steaks. And they actually have a, a menu. And the, the cheap steak on the menu is the grass-fed one. Yeah, that's <laughs> and right. The, the grain-fed one was like this crazily expensive steak. And, uh, and it just makes me laugh. I'm like, yeah, I'll have the grass-fed, thanks. That'd be great. <laughs> she looked at it. She's like, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I'll take the healthy option, please. Yeah, she's like, but that one's only like a kilo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, listen, I, I hope you enjoyed this particular episode. I'm glad that, uh, you know, that there was no uh, major conflict here. I think we basically agreed on some basic fundamental points. But like I said, um, to summarize this, there's a lot of points, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And I think it's really important that you understand the full spectrum of what we're talking about, especially when we're talking about oils and fats and saturated fats. So you really got to put it all in perspective. And I hope you go back to this particular episode and uh, listen to it again because there's some finer detail points that you know you might have skimmed over the first time. So really do um, go back and to listen and make you know tell other people about it. And uh, if you have more questions or you want to put in your spin on it, go to our Facebook page because this is where we can carry on a conversation. Uh, we can you know we definitely continue this com this conversation for sure, and we'll have a little debate about that. So if you have a different opinion than what had been spoken about this particular episode, please go there on our Facebook page. Um, and also check us out on thewellnessguys.com. That's our website. But most importantly, make sure you and your friends and your family subscribe to our um, iTunes um, for the Wellness Guys show so that you can get you know up-to-date information on when the shows are every single week. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on the Wellness Guys show.